Hello and welcome to Mash Mouth, a podcast covering every single episode of the hit 1970s sitcom, Mash. I'm Ethan. And I'm Vanessa. Vanessa, hello. Today's episode, we again don't have much that is relatable to our everyday lives, so we're not going to have a proper opening topic. We're just going to jump straight into this kind of wonderful episode. I really like this one, and I'm very excited to talk about it with you. Yeah, I think that um, we both probably have a lot to say about this episode, so we should dive right in. So, in this episode, Aid Station, Hawkeye, Margaret, and Klinger fill in at the aid station on the front lines, sparking anxiety from the whole camp. Vanessa, I know you just said that you like this episode, but as we do this show, I am required to ask you, <laughs> what did you think of this episode? Um... Well, like I said, I like this episode. I have so much to say about this episode. I think that this is one of the shining stars of this season. Not to say that this season had a bunch of duds for me, but I think that this stands out as one of the better episodes of the season. And I I loved it all around. And I remember loving it as a kid, too. I really liked this one as a kid. Oh, man. I love that you love this as a kid because it's <laughs> so kind of intense, too. I think if I tried like watching this as a young child, I would have been like, this is scary. I don't <laughs> like that my funny characters that I like might die. Um, but you, obviously, are a little more hardcore than me. You're a little more mature than I've always been. <laughs> oh, no. Um, I. It's funny because I look back on it now, right? And I, like, I wouldn't have been able to kind of put my finger on it back then as, you know, a prepubescent kid. But... I see now that I really like any of the episodes that kind of give Margaret agency, you know, um, right. and kind of develop her character more. It's super interesting to like go back and be like, oh, yeah, I really liked this episode as a kid and then see it correlate with why I like the episode now, you know, so so that's mm -hmm. pretty cool. Yeah, this was a great Margaret episode. I didn't even think about that until you uh, you mentioned it. This is pretty much, I think like top tier Margaret. Um, and it's not written by our favorite female duo. This is written by Larry Gelbart and a co-writer. So they, they do have it in them when they want to <laughs> uh, explore Margaret. I was actually going to say to to like be in all seriousness and in all fairness to these writers, they they had it in them and they they knew that Margaret was more of this character. Um, so so they were kind of strutting their stuff early on before they made the actual shift in who she was and who she turned out to be. Um, so just absolute props to them in this episode. I, I, more of this, please. Mm -hmm. So let's talk about this, uh, wonderful exploration of a female character <laughs> by talking first about, uh, mounds of mashed potatoes that look like fake boobs. Um, <laughs> <laughs> that was so funny. And I didn't think that they were going to address that. And I mentioned in my notes when I was watching the episode, it's like, wow, look at those mounds of mashed potatoes on Radar's plate. That's so funny. And then it was just like, it was an entire joke set around those mashed potatoes. I was like, oh, okay, that that's why they're there. It was the entire opening arc of the episode, really. Like, before <laughs> the plot started, it was all about uh, Frank getting very mad at Hawkeye and Trapper for making poop jokes about mashed potatoes, <laughs> which is so, like, middle school. Very funny. I, I really enjoyed how, like, isolated this weird bit was um but <laughs> i i just kind of love the immaturity sometimes of hawkeye and trapper and how irritated frank like actually gets 
it will never not be something that's like delightful because frank is a grown man who's upset about other grown men making jokes about mashed potatoes like that's pretty darn low i think that this scene in general was just really well done with the comedy because the rest of the episode was not very comedy heavy so i like that they really Mm -hmm. loaded it up um And it was funny because I was watching this episode and just laughing so hard at this mess tent scene. And I was like, wait a minute, this is a pretty serious episode from what I remember. I don't remember laughing so much. And then it like the next scene, just the ball drops and it gets so super serious. Yeah, absolutely. This is a peak dramedy episode. Mm -hmm, Uh, Maybe the jokes are isolated to this opening, really, like. From here on out, it is pretty hardcore, dry drama without much humor in it. But you do have that fun kind of sitcom back and forth right here with this uh, rather kind of goofy and kind of slightly risque opening. <laughs> yes, absolutely. I was I was a little bit surprised at how far they took it with like the falsies thing that was really funny (laughs) i'm always so surprised at the the limits that this show pushed i guess i shouldn't be because it was known for that you know it was known for making really like sexual Mm -hmm. innuendos and whatnot but it always it still does surprise me about how like the leaps and bounds ahead that it was for like sexual innuendos like that and so it's just Mm -hmm. it's just great i love mash If you figure like 10, 15 years before this, couples still couldn't be shown in the same bed together. So like the times have a change, you know what I'm saying? Yeah, it was definitely like more time than that probably. (laughs) But I do think that you can see the evolution of what was and was not acceptable being kind of broken while MASH was airing. And I think that that was so cool and fun. But Mm -hmm. let's move on from the boob mashed potato bit um, to why this episode (laughs) got really serious. Um, I feel like this scene in Henry's office and then the subsequent rest of the show, like you said, a very dramedy episode, almost a hybrid of what the original creators wanted from the show, like not having a laugh track because there was the laugh track in there and they were making jokes at times without the laugh track going. And I thought that that was... Mm -hmm. Just not just in this scene, but then later on, too. I thought that was just really interesting. It, Like I said, it felt like a hybrid almost of what the creators intended for the show to be and then what the you know final product was with the laugh track. So I thought that was really cool. Yeah, this episode is one that I definitely want to go back and check out again without the laugh track on the DVDs. I got to get back to doing that because this episode kind of snaps pretty uh, firmly into drama mode very quickly mm-hmm. where the camp learns that on the front lines a, a surgeon was killed and they need like a group of people to fill in for them while they like search for a more permanent replacement mm-hmm. and everyone in camp is like oh god I don't want to do that because doing that means you're on the front lines and front lines is where you go to die at least that's the context given in the episode. Mm-hmm. And I thought uh, how they handled this and made it still funny, this like choosing of who's going to go with using burnt sausages from breakfast instead of straws <laughs> to pick the short straw was like a really funny, uh, good work in of the opening mess 10 scene and how 
even though it was kind of goofy and ridiculous, that everyone was taking this extremely seriously because it's a very serious situation. Yeah, I think that this scene with, you know, picking the burnt sausages out of the bedpan was like kind of getting to the crux of MASH almost. It was this like really kooky, ridiculous thing um, Mm -hmm. with a parallel of something so serious, like, you know, going to the front lines. Um, I thought that this scene was just really well done and I found myself chuckling, but also feeling almost weird that I was laughing, even though it was supposed to be funny. (laughs) Um, It just, Mm -hmm. the gravity of this scene was very palpable. I also, I liked that, um, you know, they mentioned that this, I I shouldn't say I like it because obviously it was, you know, in-universe tragic, but that this surgeon was killed at the aid station. And it kind of puts into perspective that, yeah, these characters are supposed to be in real danger. Like, this could be their circumstances, absolutely. And this whole episode felt like a reminder to the audience at home. And that was your first reminder, you know? Mm -hmm. This season, I think overall, has had big final season vibes where the episodes that are really good feel very like on point for what the series themes are, what the creator's intentions are, everything that like works really well, like the the past episodes like OR and everything. Um, they really exemplify like the height of the series and like display it so well. And then like the middling episodes are kind of like yeah, you could tell that they, they've lost a little of their touch. And this episode has that really good, like, clicking energy where it feels like everything from the intention, how they want to present the series as a whole, is here in this episode and is really well, like, with the kind of goofy sausage bit, but, like, paired with how serious uh, going to the front lines is. And, like, going to the front lines is a big deal. There's only been a few times that we even left the camp, and usually it was not in a dangerous scenario. Mm-hmm. So this episode, like OR, and maybe one other from this season, really could be a, a series finale, I think. Yeah, I agree with you that it's giving series finale vibes, just because, um, like I mentioned before, there were certain episodes that I wasn't too hot about that just seemed to come more and more in this season than they did in previous seasons. And like you said, typically that will sometimes happen in shows where it's the last season of a show and they've kind of like run out. But then the really good episodes were really, really good in this season. And this one was absolutely showcasing that. And it kind of makes sense for where we know that this season is going to go almost. So mm-hmm. <laughs> to keep it vague. <laughs> but yeah, no, I definitely agree with you. I wanted also to mention in this scene that, uh, like I said, well, also said before, Margaret's character was a little bit more well-developed and well-actualized mm-hmm. in this episode. And I really liked that she volunteered because like, it felt right you know, it yeah. it felt like she, of course, she was going to volunteer. And that is one thing that I like about Margaret's character in this. She knows that a nurse needs to go and she's not going to ask one of her nurses to go, you know, and mm-hmm. and that just felt very in character for her. Yes, absolutely. It felt very much like a farewell to Margaret in a way, like finally giving her her due as a nurse and as a person of the military, uh, showing her that she's like a rounded, real person. 
And let's actually, let's get into that, because after they draw straws, obviously Hawkeye, being the main character, <laughs> is the one to go to the front lines. So the rest of this this first act is kind of everyone saying their farewells. You get scenes with Hawkeye, Margaret, and Klinger all kind of saying, hey, if I don't come back, this is what I want you to think of me. Like, here's my will in some cases. And Margaret, let's talk about her, because I feel like we're on the Margaret train. Mm -hmm. She kind of has this grand monologue uh, saying to Frank, basically, like, screw you, I'm better than you, like, I'm a (laughs) full person. And it's pretty nonstop that she does not break this, uh, this monologue for a good few minutes, I felt like. Yeah, I wrote down in all caps, what a great monologue from Margaret. Wow. (laughs) Because I thought that it was great insight into her character, too. She was saying, you know, I was basically raised in the army. The army is my first love, this, that, and the other thing. And it's supposed to be a joke, but I like that she's literally vocalizing that Frank isn't her future. And she knows that. Um, And when she's faced with that head on, like she is going to the aid station, she kind of has to, I guess, admit that to herself. Like, yeah, Frank is basically somebody that she is using as Frank is using her to, like, get through the war. And I think that there is some hints there at the end where she's saying, yeah, but I'm, like, still a woman and I still care about you, Frank. So on some base level, they definitely, like, care about each other. They're not just using each other. But It also makes so much more sense why she would volunteer, too, because she knows that, like, the army is her thing. (laughs) Um, And she said that in this monologue, too. And I I just I loved every part of it. I thought it was really well done. Yeah, it's so much of what you've been talking about up to this point. Every time, like, Margaret is written poorly, you're like, no, 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 don't worry. Like, a good Margaret is coming. Like, good (laughs) Margaret has this, like, really intricate backstory of, like, She's an army brat and like she wants to live up to that. And it's so much of like everything that you've been saying. And you're right that I like that she is simultaneously saying like, Frank, you're not my future, but also I'm a woman and I care about you. Because last week we talked about how military kind of characters, when they're female, can be written to just not be a woman. They're Mm -hmm. like putting that completely aside. And this, I thought, the little inclusion of her kind of declaring that she's a woman was like a nice response and felt very in conversation with us, uh, very, you know, very (laughs) unintentionally. But we just happened to have that conversation last week. So it was like nice to see that kind of rebuffed from the episode last week like we've talked about uh before usually when there's a bad episode there's a good episode like right around the corner Mm -hmm. and this is very much uh contrasting what the sort of message of last week was yeah i definitely agree with you and i'm so glad that that inclusion in this monologue was in there just because we haven't seen that up until this point. Uh, Like, I've talked about it, and we've seen, like, little hints when there are certain episodes where Margaret's written a little bit better, or there's, like, a storyline that she is, you know, included in where she's not annoying or terrible. Um, But I also wanted to say one more thing about this, too. I liked that, um, like I said, she admitted to herself and to Frank yeah, I'm basically using you to get through the war. 
And it reminded me of this interview that Loretta Swit did a while back when they were talking about MASH and the interviewer asked her about, you know, how women were like treated on the show and whatnot. And she said, well, you know, the the nurses also used the doctors and the men in the show just as much as the doctors used the women. Mm-hmm. I want to say like this scene kind of showcased that a little bit more than I think that we have seen in the show before. Um I liked that just inclusion, even though it was very much spoken to the audience and like kind of bashing us over the head with it. I thought that that was necessary at this point because we haven't Mm -hmm. seen Margaret really do that. You know, the rule is show, don't tell. But sometimes like you have show and tell. And I Mm -hmm. think like this is a good showcase of that because you have her big monologue um, but then later in the episode, when her and Hawkeye are on the front lines together, it really shows you like who she is and like mm-hmm. how much the, she actually like commits to this work. So if it was just this monologue, and then she was like back to uh, you know, being like Frank's like sidekick, it wouldn't have worked as well. But this episode, you really get to see her be a full character, and mm-hmm. it it really worked. I think. Yeah, definitely. And we should talk. This is not an entirely Margaret centric episode. So we should talk about some of the other characters that are involved. Um, So I thought that it was really interesting that Hawkeye kind of got to be vulnerable for a second with Trapper when he was saying, you know, at the bottom of my foot locker, there's a will. And then he, you know, immediately makes it a joke. But I thought that it was Mm -hmm. interesting that we didn't kind of know whether he was being serious whether his will was actually in his footlocker or whether he was just like kidding around with trapper i thought that was that was so hawkeye (laughs) to me all the characters felt very in themselves in this episode and i really liked that this whole thing with uh hawkeye and trapper is so like bro-y in a good way like Mm -hmm. oh bro i love you but like i can't fully say that because i'm a man in in the 1950s in a war zone like i (laughs) i can't allow myself to be fully open but i'm going to be as open as i possibly can because you know you mean a lot to me and if i if i leave you then like it's going to be a tragedy but they they did a good job of making it like a joke i think he says you know that everything in his possession in his will will go to the Hawkeye Pierce Memorial Brothel, which uh, yeah. <laughs> kind of a risque joke again. Uh, <laughs> surprised they could say brothel, but you know whatever. I also liked that at the end of this scene too. It was just one quick shot of just Trapper looking really worried about Hawkeye, and so. That to me was kind of like confirmation that even though Hawkeye was kidding around, it was still like a pretty serious oh, yeah. scene. And I, I, I liked that too. Absolutely. This was pretty non-ironic about the fact that they could die. Like this is a show where everybody can die. And this is an episode where that might actually happen. And that I, I've said it before. I will say it again. Sorry if me repeating myself is annoying to listen to. But I think that is the best part of this show, that it's a funny show, it's a very wacky show, but when needed, they can go to these really extreme kind of sad, dark places because the setting allows for it. You don't have that in any other like sitcom, I think. So there, nobody's gonna, you know, 
perish on Seinfeld and have it be serious. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And so I think that that transitions us very nicely into the next part of the show where they actually go to the aid station. And this is where the laugh track kind of almost entirely cuts out. Mm -hmm. And I thought that that was a really smart decision because the audience clearly was supposed to be sitting with the fact that this is what an aid station is like. I, I'm sure not what a real aid station is like, but like very part down, but mm -hmm. what it's supposed to be like. What it feels like, not necessarily what it fully is. I get what you're saying. Um, I really like this whole part. Without the laugh track, it had that like long OR kind of vibe to it because mm -hmm. in the OR, they don't have a laugh track. And like I said last week, you could really feel the increase in budget with this season. Like there's explosions going off. There's all these kind of bodies everywhere and they're outside which I have to imagine was quite difficult to shoot mm -hmm, um, mm -hmm. under the time constraints of a 1970s half-hour sitcom. So just on a production level, I was very impressed with this episode. And on a character level, I liked a lot of what they did here. Um, with Hawkeye trusting Margaret so much, how you get to see how fearful they are, and then you have the intercutting of this genuinely stressful situation with Frank complaining about how stressful his OR is. And like, you get really get to see the contrast between the two. I thought pretty much everything was just fantastic. Yeah, I agree with you. And just to back up a little bit to when they first get to the aid station too, it's established that the roof has been blown off of the aid station. So they're all exposed and there is debris everywhere and whatnot. And the walkthrough shot of the aid station is shot from above and I thought that that was just a really great choice because it almost added to the chaos of like oh they are entirely exposed there is nothing that they can do to really stop <laughs> debris mm -hmm. or shelling or anything and that was very powerful I feel also just on a tv level just very well shot very mm -hmm. creative um, and I also loved that Hawkeye just kind of jumped right into being doctor leader mode. He knows what he has to do. He's very calm and collected. He knows like, hey, this is where we're going to set up the sterile part of the station. And th like we can add another thing here to be able to put more patients on whatever and be able to operate more effectively. And this and the other thing. And I really thought that was a testament to Hawkeye's character of just being able to thrive in that chaos because he's so good in the OR that we normally see him in, mm -hmm. which is why he can kind of jump right in here and do it here too. Yeah. Um, I loved the line that Margaret had when she's talking to the, the wounded soldier uh, saying like, you'll be fine. He's the best. And I love that she like whispered that to him as if it was like a little secret between her <laughs> and him. You know, she was embarrassed to praise Hawkeye. That was another reason that I liked Margaret's character so much, the writing of her character, that she was in nurse mode. You know, she was talking to the coherent patient saying, you know, you're in good hands. This is like you have a great doctor working on you. And it was cute, like you said, of her kind of just like whispering, praising Hawkeye because she doesn't usually do that. But also seeing her in that nurse mode of taking care of the patients was was just great. I, I loved it. And uh 
There's one person in this episode that I feel like we have not given them their due yet, and that's my man, Klinger. I think that Klinger is so good in this episode, just all around, everything, uh, before they go to the camp, when they're at the camp, and when they leave the camp, it's just 10 out of 10 Klinger material, non-stop. What do you think of Mr. Uh, Mr. Maxwell Klinger. I was gonna say, I thought you were gonna say Jamie Farr, and I was like, if you don't know who plays Klinger, I'm not talking to you anymore. Um, no, I'm trying to think of his first name. <laughs> Maxwell Q. Klinger. <laughs> yeah, I, I agree with you. I think hats off to Jamie Farr's acting in this episode. Um, he also is one who you know, gets right to work when the work needs to be done. And I love that because you wouldn't think mm-hmm. he would be so apt to jump into the chaos with Margaret and Hawkeye, but he does. And I, I loved that. Um, I loved the scene where he was talking to Radar on the phone and he just hiding behind a, basically just like a makeshift wall while the shelling's happening. And mm-hmm. he's talking to Radar and he's so terrified. You can tell he's like curling in on himself and he's saying, you know, yeah, well, I, ho- I hope I make it basically. And just like really scared. Just amazing acting from him all around in these scenes. Yeah, this episode made it really clear for me because like you said, Klinger's not usually one to jump into action and we don't tend to see him like really in action. He's usually on like the sidelines if they're ever in the OR. But this one, he's very much kind of on the front line with them, literally. So this one put into perspective for me that yes, he is pretending to be crazy, right? With like cross-dressing and doing all these stunts to get out of the army. But when he's like legitimately needed, he is not afraid to actually go to work. It's just a matter of he doesn't want to be in the army rather than him being like lazy or incompetent like if he's needed he will turn on and put like everything else away and then like once he's no longer needed he will turn off and go back (laughs) to uh goofy max clinger mode and this is just a great showcase of that like i said great final episode vibes because in you know a good final episode it's like i'm shedding my goofy persona i'm gonna be a real person for a second and that was Mm -hmm. pretty much everybody in this episode (laughs) i agree and to just talk a little bit more about clinger scenes in this episode the scenes of the aid station just really the absolute chaos of just being completely exposed very much understaffed and working in these really unsanitary conditions it gave me chills and this one scene with clinger really got me Hawkeye says to Klinger, oh, he he asks Klinger to put pressure on a wound, on a wounded soldier uh, while he goes and does something else. And Klinger looked absolutely mortified to have to touch, you know, the body because that's not usually what he does at the MASH station. And Klinger says the line, damn Stalin or Truman or whoever. And I thought that that was such a powerful line. And just such I knew great... you were going to pick up on that one. Of course. It was such great MASH commentary. I absolutely love mm-hmm. this line because it w- it honestly, it's giving me chills just talking about it now. I'm <laughs> such a nerd. I love this show so much because it's just this reminder, right, that no matter who started the war or who is at fault or what's happening, this, what they're dealing with are like the consequences of that and just 
putting that in perspective of who the audience was at the time, you know, coming off of the Vietnam War and, you know, basically having it also be commentary from the writers, you know, having Korea and Vietnam be fought as like a proxy war between the USSR and the United States just was very, very powerful to me that, hey, yeah, we might be fighting the commies and stuff like that, but look at the consequences. Look at what we're having people deal with here because it's all going to end up like this no matter what. And I thought that that was so, so good. God, I love when you get just real mushy about how much you love MASH <laughs> and how much you think MASH is like a brilliant TV show. It's it's why I love doing this this silly, silly podcast is that I get to hear <laughs> your joy over this very old show. And I, I'm not kidding. That is like one of my favorite things. <laughs> um, and I, I agree with you that this uh this line did not hit me as hard. I was not thinking of the the existential uh, implications, but I thought uh, directly mentioning like Stalin or whoever, uh, like saying that mm -hmm. it was like really good because they're in Korea fighting Russia and it like didn't make any sense and like nobody really knew why they were there. Um, and it, this is a great little piece of commentary and it was so throwaway. They did not like linger on it at all. It was just like a natural no. thing. For someone like Klinger to say who doesn't like the army or wants to be there at all, he's just going to be like, I don't know why I'm here. So damn whoever. Yeah, I you had mentioned why you like doing this podcast. And this is why I like doing it as well, because, you know, as an adult now I'm watching it and I know that that's what that means, you know, and it, it's so interesting mm -hmm. to see it through that lens of oh yeah this is what the show was kind of aiming for so i don't know just that one line really really did it for me it really made the episode for me <laughs> mm -hmm. in a sea of good moments that was like a good throwaway moment very quick not at all remarked upon um but going from this very quick commentary well i guess we have more commentary it's all commentary mm -hmm. because like i said <laughs> Frank, kind of in the middle of this very harrowing situation, is just up to his usual shenanigans of being frustrated at very little. And everything with Frank just being so petty uh, in this was very funny and a great contrast to how legitimate war movie um, the Hawkeye, Margaret, and Klinger section of the episode was. What do you think about these kind of parallel storylines and how they commented on each other? Yeah, I think that as serious as these scenes were, they also injected some light back into the show, which I appreciated. I was rolling my eyes and kind of chuckling at these juxtaposed scenes of the OR and just how basically civilized the MASH unit is compared to the aid station. And Frank still complaining about it. That was very funny um, in a very ironic sort of way. But I think that, like I said before, this episode was very much a reminder to everybody at home in the audience watching that, wow, even what we're seeing on TV, as bad as it is, like the meatball surgery that the MASH unit has to do and the, that our normal cast has to do every week, wow, it can be so much worse. Like, look at the mm -hmm. atrocity that's happening. Just yeah. they are literally at the front lines. And it's also this reminder for just like just, I guess, in a TV show way as well, that there are people at this aid station that 
actually have to get the patients good enough to be transferred to the MASH unit before our cast of characters can even start working on them. So that's like a pretty interesting reminder um, as you watch the show in the future too of like, oh, it took a lot to even get these patients here. So that was that was also just really, really interesting to see. Yeah, you're right. It was a good kind of behind the scenes look of something that we don't get to see really. Um, how harrowing the actual front lines are, because usually we are confined to uh, the the mash unit, and while that is close to the front lines, it's not like they're in combat. It was a great like rounding out of the full picture for people unfamiliar like me who kind of don't know the ins and outs of how uh, medical situations happen while an active war is going on. And I thought the frank complaining was very funny, but also. To give him a little bit of credit, I did kind of take this as Frank being stressed about whether or not Margaret was safe. Uh, so that, to me, was part of like why he was so uh, persnickety uh, in these scenes. It was, <laughs> he, was, he was under a lot of stress and didn't want to admit it. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And speaking of that, it does seem like the rest of the camp was very much stressed that, you know, these three central people were in such danger. Like, they couldn't have known the, not, I, I don't want to say peril, but, you know, the, the pressure and the conditions that they were working under because they weren't there. But they could for sure make some educated guesses because... You know, an aid station at the front lines, that doesn't seem like the best place to be, especially if you having, you're having to, like, draw sausages in to see who gets mm-hmm. to go. You know, they instinctively know that, oh, yeah, you probably don't want to be there. Yeah. I think that the rest of the camp was really worried about them. And it was really sweet because um, it very much felt like family vibes here because... You could tell that everybody wasn't comfortable and everyone was on edge when everyone's not safe and home together. And it was just really sweet (laughs) when Radar Mm -hmm. came in and wanted to sleep uh, in Trapper and Frank's tent because he was scared and upset like such a little kid. Oh, it was just so cute. That was straight up adorable. That was so cute. And again, I liked how... Uh, persnickety Frank was about this, but uh, (laughs) ultimately kind of relenting to it. And you're right, big family energy, because it's a large camp. There are many people that we don't tend to see on the show. But Mm -hmm. these three people missing has everyone being like, it's so quiet, Um, which is so I feel like the kind of empty nest thing that people say a lot of Mm -hmm. like, oh, the home Mm -hmm. is so quiet. Um, And obviously, they're worried about them coming back. But I I can't imagine that in reality, these three people... Well, actually, no. We have maybe two of the loudest people in camp uh, away. (laughs) And then the one person who tries to be quiet, but also has, like, kind of a raw nerve (laughs) being poked every now and again. Uh, So it probably was a few decimal points lower than before. Not... Not decimal. (laughs) I edit audio all the time. I should know this. (laughs) (laughs) I was going to say, some stuff like when I hear you make mistakes, I'm like, oh, it's fine. It's just like the normal course of like talking. Not everybody like makes (laughs) perfect grammar when they're talking into a microphone. I certainly don't. Some things I'm like, Ethan, we got to correct that, buddy. (laughs) The (laughs) decibel levels. Got it. Like actually quieter. Yeah. I mean, it probably was... I wonder how much of that was, though, like, Radar just feeling 
anxiety about people that he loves basically not being there. But I also loved mm-hmm. Henry's concerned dad energy too, because oh, yeah. he was like completely unable to sleep because because it would definitely be on his conscience if anything were to happen to any of the three of them while they were at the aid station, because he's the one who kind of, you know, made the decision that they had to go, even though Margaret volunteered and stuff like that. But it was his doing. So it, it made a lot of sense. And it was very it was heartwarming and also heartbreaking at the same time. Yeah, absolutely. This whole episode is heartwarming, heartbreaking. And uh, speaking of heartwarming, uh, I thought the scene with Hawkeye and Trapper, Hawkeye and Trapper, no, Hawkeye and Margaret. How, uh, how scandalous. <laughs> <laughs> Hawkeye and Margaret going into bed for the night was very cute and very uh, spoke to the nature of their, their actual relationship, how much they actually do like each other and kind of have a mutual respect vibe going on. I, I thought this was all very cute and a great way to kind of close off the high stress uh, energy of this section of the episode before they return. Yeah, I loved this too because it, it was really sweet, you know? Um, it was giving me vibes of, I think it was actually Bombed where Margaret and Trapper get stuck in the yeah. supply tent together and Margaret just kind of has a complete breakdown and Trapper is just there for her. That's what it felt like, but also in times 10 kind of way and just like a in a very sweet way. And I, I loved that. So Hawkeye is, you know, settling for bed and whatnot. And Margaret's just kind of sitting there with this really happy look on her face. Like, yeah, we did such a great job today. Mm-hmm. We did. We saved so many people today. And it's kind of driving home this point that, you know, we had made in the beginning that Margaret's first priority is the army. She takes a lot of pride in the work that she does. And I loved that we got to see that in action in those scenes and that she, you know, says it to herself. Like, it's just Mm -hmm. confirmed to us that she is very happy with the work that she did and with the work that Hawkeye did as well. And then that kind of just... There are certain things, <laughs> again, later on, <laughs> that will make a little bit more sense um, mm-hmm. about Margaret. But the fact that she is still a little bit nervous and Hawkeye is there for her to kind of comfort her in that nervousness about just being out there, being exposed during the night. And I just loved it. It was just so sweet. <laughs> mm-hmm. You compared this to the episode where where Trapper and Margaret are in a similar situation, but I like this better because uh, this was just pure, like, happy kind of respect for each other, where the Trapper one kind of did have the, the flirtatious tension, you know? It was mm-hmm. like, ooh, if they were in that tent a little bit longer, something could have happened. But this one is just a sincere, like, good job, buddy. I'm going to curl up next to you because we're, you know, it's cold, but... Good to have you here. I'm I'm mm-hmm. here for you, which was really nice. I liked this a lot and was, like I said, a really great kind of conclusion to this part of the episode because the rest of it is very much falling action. They they returned to camp and I loved the scene with them all in the uh the Jeep together, uh when Klinger puts on his uh his cap and is like, ah, back to work and like they all sing a song. It was delightful. And then once they're back in camp, everybody kind of chills out, you know? Yeah. And speaking of them going back to camp and sweet moments between Margaret and Hawkeye, I really thought that it was 
sweet in the jeep when they return to camp and they see the camp you know in the distance and hawkeye says you know that margaret is his favorite you know officer in the army or yes whatever that he was says. amazing i love that so much that was that was really really sweet and i thought it was interesting that you see on margaret's face a little bit that she's kind of uncomfortable with him praising her like that at first and then she just has this smile on her face. Like she knows that they did a really good job as a team mm-hmm. and that they work really well as a team. And I thought that that was just a very sweet moment. And of course, we got the comedy of Klinger being like, okay, taking my army hat off and putting my my beautiful <laughs> women's hat back on. Time to get back to work. I, I loved that too. And I liked how this episode like actually concluded with kind of everybody, well, Trapper and Frank kind of like, oh, do you sleep together? Did Margaret and and Hawkeye sleep together? Kind of both prying in that like way that they both do in different ways. And they're both like, no, like we did not. Mm -hmm. And then there's just like a look of like mutual respect to each other at the end. Him and Margaret, uh, Hawkeye and Margaret, excuse me. Uh, just kind of this like mutual like we did something good here, and that's like the end of the episode. I I love that that it ends on this happy note. Yeah, and um, Hawkeye even vocalizes it too. But this episode to me is kind of indicative of what Hawkeye and Margaret's relationship is going to kind of turn into mm-hmm. later on in the series. And Hawkeye says to Trapper, a man and a woman can have a relationship that's not just sex. It's based on mutual respect. And and they showed that and kind of showed where that relationship would be later on. And like I said, all around loved it. But I do feel bad because Radar gave away all of Klinger's dresses. So now he he has to (laughs) claw those back. So honestly, the episode ended on a very, very sour note. (laughs) He didn't get to wear his favorite green dress that he was going to wear (laughs) once he got back. What a shame. You have to wait until someone's in the ground before you can give away their clothes. Come on, (laughs) man. Yes, especially those dresses. Do you know how hard it probably is for Klinger to get those dresses sent from the Sears catalog (laughs) to Korea? (laughs) Very hard. shipping fees alone. Exactly. (laughs) Okay, so I know that we've talked a lot about stuff we liked in this episode, but were there any favorite lines from this episode that you have not mentioned yet? (laughs) okay so i have a couple um (laughs) i think this is an iconic mash line don't quote me on that but i'm pretty sure this is pretty iconic um when they're all in the swamp all the guys are in the swamp and henry says to frank frank it's after six o'clock you can stop being snotty (laughs) i'm pretty sure that's quoted like everywhere when it comes to that's gotta be on a (laughs) t-shirt i love that i love that so much i also (laughs) um I also really liked in the scenes that were being like juxtaposed with the MASH unit and the aid station and <laughs> and Trapper says to Frank, surgery, you medical moron, you couldn't cut a salami without bungling it. <laughs> you medical moron is a great insult. <laughs> the delivery of that line was so good. Thank you, Wayne Rogers. <laughs> yes. Um... My favorite lines include uh, a Hawkeye line when they're picking sausages to determine who goes to the front lines. And Frank is like, don't belittle this. Uh, Hawkeye says, I wouldn't make a mockery of picking burnt sausages for a chance to volunteer for a purple heart. Like that is (laughs) just so mash. That is like the mash line. 
where it's yeah, ridiculous, it but also like deadly serious. And then also Klinger, uh, in response to Radar being like, hey, be careful, be safe. Klinger says, oh, don't worry about it. I'm from Toledo. My mother got mugged taking me home from the hospital. <laughs> <laughs> Real shade on Toledo, Ohio right there. <laughs> I've never known it to be a d- particularly dangerous place. Maybe it was in 1950, whatever. <laughs> who knows? Who knows? Um, one other line. This is not super funny, but um, I actually got chills when I heard it. Um, it was when Hawkeye is walking through the aid station right when they get there. And he goes, I finally make a house call and the house is gone. And I, I don't know why that yeah. struck me, but oh, it, was, a very it was a good, good one. one. I liked that yeah. one a lot because... Yeah, it was just so good. Absolutely. That was a top tier one. I should have wrote that one down too. Darn. Wait, not to end on a sad note. I have, we have to talk about this one line. I'm sorry. The lines okay. are going on for a long time now. Um, But <laughs> when Hawkeye and Margaret were eating dinner and Hawkeye goes, would you like to see the dessert tank? We have some favorites. Napoleonic War, Pie Alamo, <laughs> Caramel Cluster. So funny. Some very good puns. <laughs> I <laughs> I thought that the writers were so good for those lines. Like, props to them. They deserve all the awards. So good. <laughs> Vanessa is a very uh, dad pun sense of humor. And this is, <laughs> this is peak dad pun. <laughs> this is really good for me. This is great. <laughs> so, Vanessa, do we have any trivia in this episode? So I don't have a lot, but I do have some. So I did some research on the director of this episode, William Jurgensen, because I really liked all the shots and the cinematography of this episode. So William Jurgensen was born in 1925 in Iowa. Wow. <laughs> Ooh, we love Iowa. Well, we love, we love Radar's home state. <laughs> he was the director of photography for 110 episodes of MASH from seasons one through five, and he directed 10 episodes of MASH from seasons three through nine, this being his first one. So, Oh, man, I love that. Yeah, so when we said that the shots were really well done in this episode, it was because he is a professional cinematographer, not just a director. Mm-hmm. I love when cinematographers direct. It's always a good time. It's always super visual, too. Yeah, definitely. Um, Jurgensen also did cinematography for two episodes of Trapper John M.D. and the pilot episode for the MASH spinoff, Walter, that followed uh, Radar's character. Of course he shot for Trapper John M.D. <laughs> Are you? A MASH alumni, if you weren't somehow involved (laughs) in Trapper John MD. And Walter, uh, weird that they tried that. I don't think that was ever going to go anywhere. (laughs) Weird. Weird, but true. Um... So Jurgensen also did cinematography for several movies as well, including Bearcats in 1971 and Flying High in 1978. And he Ooh. passed away in 2006 in California. So thank you, Mr. Jurgensen, for amazing cinematography on our favorite show, MASH. Absolutely. Really uh, making the most of the sitcom format with his cinematography, I think. Yeah, for sure. So, Vanessa, I think we all know what our martini ratings are going to be, but (laughs) hit me with your martini rating for this episode. Okay, so this is not going to come as a surprise to anybody, but a 5 out of 5 for me, completely drunk off of this episode. And I know that we just spent like an hour talking about it, and I don't have to qualify why it's a 5 out of 5 for me, but this just had 
everything in a MASH episode that I'm looking for. Literally everything to the point where it also had good characterization for Margaret. Like, how could I ask for anything Mm -hmm. better? Absolutely. This episode's a five out of five. It's everything that you could ever want from a MASH episode. It's perfect and could have been a really great series finale. I'm going to comment on that every time that there's a good series finale episode. (laughs) Yeah, please do. We should should make a playlist. The MASH uh, finale only playlist. (laughs) (laughs) So just to wrap up, we'd like to give thanks to Jacob for your bout covering our technical consultant, Vanessa's sister, Melissa, for awesome cover art, and, of course, our listeners. Links to our music, social media, and contact for the show are in the description, as always. And join us next week for Season 3, Episode 20, Love and Marriage. But until then, eat two falsies worth of potatoes. Goodbye, farewell, and amen. Bye, everyone. Perhaps our most wild uh, send-off quote so far. (laughs) Did you like that? Because I liked writing it.